Welcome to Schneps Connects. I'm your host, Josh Schneps. This episode, I talk with Fred Dixon and Christine Nicholas, who are the vocal advocates on behalf of the tourism industry of both New York City and New York State. Fred Dixon is president and CEO of NYC and Company, which is New York City official destination marketing organization. And Christine Nicholas was former president of NYC and Company during the 9-11 tragedy and now serves as the chair of New York State Tourism Advisory Council, as well as chairwoman of the Broadway Association devoted to the cultural and economic betterment of Midtown West and the Broadway Theater District. And she also runs a premier PR marketing government affairs firm, Nicholas and Lens Communications. So with that, Fred and Christine, thank you both for being with me. I really appreciate your time on being on the Schnepskinex podcast. Thanks, Josh. Good it's good to be here. Thank you. So, Fred, New York City, we've lost residents, let alone tourists. I mean, it's really been almost an apocalypse when you when you look at it from, from just your standpoint, because tourism is such a huge driver of this city. And um, it's been hit so heavily because, obviously, this is a global pandemic. And, you know, people really don't, I think, appreciate tourists until we don't have them because the huge trickle-down effect, all of our hotels, restaurants, iconic attractions, our street vendors, our taxis, our museums, our you know, shopping venues, recreational facilities. I mean, it really is like the fiber of the city. When it's not here, you kind of you know, realize that. You know, what I'd really love to hear from you um, to start is what the role of NYC and company is for those that really aren't too familiar with your organization. Thank you, Josh. It's, and it's great to be with you and good to always be with Christine. So NYC and Company, um, as you teed us up, you know, we're the a Convention and Visitors Bureau for the five boroughs of New York City. In today's lingo, we often are referred to as destination marketing organizations. Um, so our job is to, is to bring spending from outside of New York City into New York City. You know, in, uh, in normal times, we consider a visitor someone who travels more than 50 miles to get here. You might be a day tripper, for example, from Philadelphia coming to Broadway or coming to, to visit museums in the shop, or you're spending the night. So, you know, we normally don't get to count folks, you know, within the five boroughs, obviously, and people that come, uh, you know, from the surrounding suburbs. So it really is about bringing spending in from outside the market. And it has been, you know, quite an upside down year, obviously, in every way. Um, and, you know, you don't really appreciate things sometimes until they're gone. And it's an interesting moment to, to reframe tourism and its impact on the city. You know, in normal times, you know, 2019 represented our 10th consecutive year of growth, right? So, we, you know, that was, you know, almost $70 billion in economic impact and supporting over 400,000 jobs. Um, and you really see, you know, the role that tourists play. They're not just standing in your way in the, on the sidewalk, you know, or taking selfies in awkward places. They actually are contributing in a remarkable way to our economy in every way. And, and you know, we, we can't wait to, to build that back. So you shared the numbers. I mean, it's such a mind-boggling high number. It's hard to even put that in perspective. But is there a little perspective you can share in terms of what we've lost just over this past year through the pandemic? Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's tough to, to gauge until all the final numbers are in. But, you know, we did have one quarter under our belt, right, when when things started to go south at, at the end of March. And we, the year was off to a, to a pretty solid start. So when you look at the numbers, you, you know, you have to consider that the first quarter was somewhat, uh, somewhat normal. But we've lost more than half of that spending this year. You know, some of it was replaced in the summer months as, as folks began to get out a little bit. Um, but, you know, the real impact is, is in jobs. You know, I mean, that, that's where we really feel the pain the most. If you look nationwide, one in three people in America today that are unemployed are in the travel and hospitality industry. 
So you really can look at it as, you know, until travel and tourism comes back, the nation's recovery uh, economically really can't happen. So it, it is part and parcel, I think, of the, of the bigger picture. Um, and we're really appreciating, I think, now the role that all, the, all of that travel represents. You know, we're living in an environment with 65 million fewer consumers in 2020 than we did in 2019. So um, the, the impact is profound and there's a lot of pain out there. So as a New Yorker, you know, when you visualize a tourist, you're thinking Asia, you're thinking, you know, Europe, but a lot of it is also coming from throughout the United States. So what is the typical percentage of um, international uh, versus kind of local tourism, whether that's any part of the, the domestic U.S.? Yeah, it's always interesting when you break down the numbers because it isn't immediately obvious. So in a normal year, so if you take 2019, for example, 50% of our visitation, and this was true pretty much every year, 50% of the visitation that came to the city was day trippers, people that were coming from the greater area, coming from upstate, coming from, you know, even as far away, you know, as Hartford and, and Philadelphia and beyond, coming into New York for the day for those things I mentioned earlier, Broadway, shopping, arts and culture. Um, so the other half, of course, are overnight guests who are coming in to, to stay in the city. Then if you back back out again and look at the picture, 80% of our overall visitation is domestic. So 20% only is international, but New York City leads the way for the country in terms of international visitation. We have three times the international visitation of the next most popular city, and that's LA. So when you think about the impact that international travelers have on New York, it's remarkable. They're 20% of the volume, but they're 50% of the spending and 50% of all the hotel room nights that are consumed every year because they stay longer and they spend more. And so they have the biggest impact on the five boroughs. You know, they're the ones that are really intrepid and going out and experiencing new neighborhoods and, and setting the path for domestic travelers really to follow in many ways. They're also shopping like bandits. You know, you think about folks that are coming from Latin America where, you know, the exchange rate can often be high or people coming from Europe. The U.S., even with a strong U.S. dollar, is typically a real good value when you take into consideration tariffs people have to pay at home. So shopping is still the number one activity, uh, and international travelers do that more than anyone else. So as we're speaking, we're rolling out the, the first vaccines, which is obviously great news. But what do you see for the coming months? I mean, I, I got to imagine it's very hard to predict. But how, how do you see it, and how are you planning for, let's call maybe the first half 2021? Yeah, I think you laid it out really well, Josh. You know, we're we're bracing for, you know, a, a tough few months ahead for sure. I mean, you just see the news today. It's, you know, it's clear the numbers are trending in the wrong direction here and around the country and even around the world. England, of course, pulled back this morning, Southern England and London on, on some of their restrictions. So, you know, it, it is going to be a tough few months ahead. You know, we're really encouraging folks right now to, to shop New York, to buy from New York brands. You know, you're at home. You know, when you're thinking about buying those gifts, support a small business in New York, support a black owned business in New York, um, really do what you can to help our neighbors. I can't imagine New York City on the other side of this crisis without our small businesses and our restaurants. So we're really encouraging people to, to buy local. Um, and then going into the winter months, we're, we're working on some programming right now we'll be announcing after the first of the year to support restaurants with takeout and delivery. That looks like that's gonna be their biggest opportunity. Um, we're looking at it as a, as a bridge, you know, as you described, really bridging these winter months as we look to get into the spring and summer when we, you know, we have hopes and expectations that things will start to turn. You know, it's, it's really um, not something that you can plan for immediately, but what are you thinking in terms of long-term? How long do you think the recovery is, say the vaccines become successful, probably won't happen overnight, a recovery. So what kind of term do you think about when you think about the recovery of tourism? 
Yeah, it's a million dollar question, right? You know, so we're, when we start from a place of confidence, right? you know, we, we're very bullish on New York City. We're very bullish on travel. I think, you know, everyone that's listening today, I'm sure is, is hankering in one way or another to get on the road. Um, you know, whether that's to, to come into the city, to, to get back to Broadway, or even if you're looking to go to the beach, you know, everyone is looking to change their environment. And travel over the last 20 years has become, you know, not so much a, a privilege as really a right. You know, people really, you know, I think miss traveling. So the assumption is, is there's tremendous pent-up demand. So then you look at really the barriers that are out there, right? International markets have to reopen their borders. You know, Canada has already indicated that they're not ready to reopen their border to the U.S. right now. So that's probably another few months away, potentially. Um, so you really have to look at rebuilding confidence and then rebuilding the infrastructure in terms of opening, opening borders, getting the visa applications going in again for countries where visas are required. Um, and then just making people feel safe and, and confident to, to get back out there. It is gonna be a slow process, but we feel strongly that it is inevitable um, that travel will return. Um, and when we look at the latest forecast, we just shared some of our information publicly from our, from our forecasters at Oxford Economics. It looks like you know, the, the time frame from the moment the ship begins to turn. So if you assume late spring, early summer, confidence begins to rebuild, a good number of people have been vaccinated and things start to open back up, right? Especially people are looking to Broadway, what's gonna happen there. And Christine, I know we'll have more, more insight on that. We think it's gonna be about a two year turnaround in terms of building the business back up. Certainly from a volume perspective, some of the international markets are gonna take longer because we also are gonna run into some economic headwinds uh, with you know recessions in certain parts of the world, but there there is no doubt that people are craving New York, that they want what we have to offer, that they miss this city, uh, and we're going to be ready to welcome them back as quickly as possible. So politically speaking, 2021 is a huge year. We'll have a new person running the city in terms of a mayor. How do, do you think that has an impact on NYC and Cohen, just tourism in general? I think, you know, the elections are always a real opportunity to reframe the conversation around the economy, right? So I think going into this situation, as tough as it has been, it really has opened people's eyes to the power of tourism and the role that it plays in the local economy. You know, it's, uh, you know, 400,000 jobs, as we indicated, it's been one of the fastest growing sectors in terms of employment since the economic downturn in 2008 and 2009. This, you know, the service industry overall has really uh, grown exponentially. So I, I think I think we're well positioned for a lot of focus and conversation. You know, tourism also often gets linked to the image and the brand of the city itself. So, you know, as, as travelers look and think about New York, we know investors are going to be looking and thinking the same way. Um, so, you know, it's going to be inextricably linked. And, and I think it's going to be, you know, an opportunity to frame, you know, investment in tourism marketing, you know, investment in infrastructure and support, especially of small businesses and in, in travel and tourism as we go forward into the election year. And then speaking through, you know, some of the initiatives that you had, you brought up the one about um, restaurants and trying to spur takeout, which is really the, the last hope for a lot of these restaurants. Are there any other initiatives that you're looking at to be able to, to drive spending in tourism? Yeah, because it is, it's all about spending, right? So, um, you know, we're, we're grateful to have tremendous marketing partners that are helping us with some of this messaging. So MasterCard came on a couple of years ago as our global payment partner. And, and I, I have to say they stepped up in amazing ways this year. So we launched Neighborhood Getaways this summer, um, which is all about exploring locally, encouraging New Yorkers to take staycations and especially support, support small businesses. So MasterCard's renewing that 
promotion with us into next year. So you can get up to $100 back on your MasterCard and statement credits for supporting small businesses in the five boroughs and even staying in hotels. Um, so you stay in a hotel for every $100 you spend, they're going to give you $25 back on your statement credit. So there's some real good financial incentives out there, thanks to MasterCard. We're also working on, you know, in addition to virtual content, which we're using to keep people inspired about New York, a number of other promotions to encourage those staycations to take that moment to, you know, get away uh, from the house and maybe go across town and stay in a hotel, give your partner that kind of gift. You know, there's going to be a number of things that are going to be rolling out in, in the months ahead to, to keep some of the stimulus alive. I'm happy to hear it because, you know, the local businesses need it, whatever we can do to be creative. And I think from every crisis, I mean, I guess the one thing you can take out of it is there's always some type of innovation. And I feel like now with technology, such a part of culture, are there any innovations that you feel you'll have coming out of this that's going to help tourism down the road? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, right, you know, it, it is important to look at the silver linings. And, and I think there are going to be opportunities here. Um, you know, one of the things that we learned very early on was the need for virtual content. And so much of our work, you know, was done in driving people to the city. And that, of course, is not going to change. But we realized there's an enormous opportunity to engage people where they are and to inspire them with New York and to introduce them to our, especially our cultural organizations, but also, you know, small businesses, you know, uh, across all five boroughs. So I think some of that virtual content is gonna be with us um, as we go forward. I think there's gonna be a lot of ways to entertain people for New York, to keep them inspired, to help them pre-plan. You know, technology has come a long way. You know, touchless, I think is, is really amazing. You know, it's interesting when I go into a store, if they don't have touchless, I'm, I'm really surprised now. Yeah. You know, I mean, people are really going to, you know, to smooth digital technologies. And I think that's going to improve the process in many ways. I think the focus on health and safety with the airlines and with the hotels, um, I think that's going to have great residual value as we go forward, you know, making sure that, that people feel comfortable in traveling, at least here in the United States, you know, it's been more than a hundred years since we've dealt with the pandemic. So for most of us in our lifetime, you know, this is a completely learned experience. And I think the lingering effects of that as we go forward are going to stay with folks and they're going to think about hygiene and sanitation and, you know, how often, you know, our surface is cleaned. And I think the business community has responded in such a remarkable way and put up really smart standards that I think those will stay with us as we go forward. So Christine, you've been in, in this seat in a, a terrible time as well, you know, dealing with 9-11, uh, which obviously was a horror, but it also from right. a perspective was a huge impact on New York City. So what do you think were some of the lessons that you learned back then that are relevant to, to dealing with the crisis of today? Sure, Josh. And, and what I will say, because I do get asked this question quite often, the two are completely different. And I think what the challenges that Fred has to face are, are much longer and more challenging. Um, we were dealing with a, with a crisis in that we were attacked. So if you look at and a lot of people forget this, but if you look at the first week, 10 days, we thought we were still under attack. So it was very difficult to really promote the city when the airports were closed, when, um, you know, our elected leaders were, were basically telling us, you know, it wasn't, there were restrictions. I mean, the airports were still somewhat open, not like what we had with the quarantine states, but we still had those um, restrictions that made it difficult. But you know, we had the leadership in the city then that um, rallied and within two days after 9-11 on September 13th, Broadway was opened. And it was a decision made by the mayor at the time to basically tell the world it is safe. 
It is important that we continue with our daily lives because if we didn't, we would then be um, giving the terrorists, unfortunately, a different victory, you know, because they were um, intent on basically disrupting the American way of life. So it was completely different. But I think what we learned back then is the value of tourism because we were uh, prior to that, people were getting disgruntled about the number of people. We were starting to see the surge. We were starting to see the uptick. And um, New Yorkers were a little grumpy about how many tourists there were. Well, that completely changed. Uh, and they missed the tourists. And then the other point of it was when you look at the whole tourism economy, and back then it was about 300,000 jobs were dependent on tourism. And how do you define those jobs? Yes, if you work in a hotel, you're tourism, right? If you work on a cruise line, you're tourism. But when you drive the truck that goes to the wholesale launderer, right, in Queens, and then you have to bring those, uh, you know, napkins and uh, sheets or uh, tablecloths, and you have to bring them to the Hilton Hotel or the Marriott Marquis or the Sheridan in Manhattan, that person may say that they're a truck driver, but they're really in the tourism business because when those hotels were closed after 9-11, like they are now, those, unfortunately, those workers are now unemployed. I think we were able to explain the value of tourism because of the crisis it's what led to then um, Mayor Bloomberg, who came into office, to truly understand from a business perspective how important tourism is to the economy. And that's why he basically tripled the budget of NYC and company. Mm. You know, it went from an annual budget from the city of about uh, $8 million to $25 million. And, um, and it was maintained that for, for quite a long time. You know, Fred has a challenge and Fred, you'll free to weigh in on this, but I feel for you because as the budget now is in, in turmoil, because we're not getting city taxes coming in, we're not having people employed, real estate is almost empty. The mayor has a difficult decision and he's going to be looking at cost savings. And I just hope that they look at the past to learn about the present and the future and do not cut NYC and company because NYC and company is going to be the growth engine. Tourism is going to be the engine that's going to get us out of this. And in, in fact, I mean, I, I think it's going to be difficult for any agency to have an increase, but if any agency should maintain or even be increased, it should be the tourism industry. I'll tell you from a, a state perspective, since March of 2020, um, New York state travel spending has declined 72%. That's 47 billion fewer dollars than 2019. So the state is in trouble too, because it has become, thanks to Governor Cuomo, it has become such a mecca for tourism. He has done an amazing job of really investing in the I Love New York program. Leisure hospitality employment is down 48% um, since February of 2020. Uh, residents are unemployed, businesses are struggling to survive in the state and local taxes revenues, they've been severely diminished. So, diminished. so um, you know, we are in dire straits here, but I, the silver lining is the tourism industry has the ability to bounce back a little bit quicker. Um, as we did after 9-11, and I see Fred is doing it now, encourage New Yorkers to be tourists in their own town. And in fact, New York State has benefited a little bit. I'm not going to say that they, you know, they're doing any way better than they were in, uh, you know, in 2019. But we have seen a lot of New York City and the tri-state area coming to New York State for vacations or staying in, in, um, in New York. I mean, look at how well the Hamptons are doing, right? Now it's almost become a year-round destination where it used to drop off severely in September and October. 
and now they've, um, it, it, you know, it, it's New York City's loss, unfortunately, but it's, it's a suffix gain. So it, it's, um, it's a tricky thing, but at the end of the day, tourism, I truly believe, is going to be New York City and New York State's way of getting out of this terrible uh, economic uh, situation that we're in now. Yeah, I mean, I guess one thing we can learn from other terrible tragedies like 9-11 is the city's resilient. So it's going to come back. It's really a matter of when. But um, Absolutely. the city yeah. isn't the city until Broadway's back. You know, I feel like Broadway is just yeah. such a big part of not just the city's culture, but tourism culture. You know, people come here just for the theater. So with your experience with the with the Broadway Association, I mean, how can you speak to, to Broadway? How does how did, how did the theater district recover? Well, you know, it is in our DNA. And I think that's why at the time, uh, Mayor Giuliani wanted to open up the theaters two days after 9-11, right? So that was the most important thing he said to do, you know, to jumpstart our economy and also our cultural psyche, right? So now it's devastating. So you have so many workers on, in the theater industry, not only unemployed, but they've, they've left New York because they can't afford to stay here. Silver lining, the good news down the, you know, is that Hamilton, their producers have already announced that they will be reopening on July 4th uh, for, you know, symbolic reasons. That's earlier than I think the Broadway League and the Broadway community expected. And with the, um, the great news that we've had this week of people getting vaccinated, we're hopeful that by March or April, uh, Broadway productions can start possibly rehearsing in a safe way again. And I think that you're going to have Broadway open again in July. You know, when you look at what happened on the West End in London, they were able to open safely. They, um, they also did an experiment in Korea and they, um, they reopened their Broadway theaters. They were very strict. They spaced the audience. They had um, protective shields for the actors. So there are ways of doing it. And, you know, the question is, will the audiences feel comfortable going back? I think you're going to have intrepid travelers that will feel fine. I don't know if you'll get, um, you won't get 100%. And there is a very expensive, it's a very expensive uh, business model, Broadway, where if they don't get to 60%, it's break even then for them. And, but maybe they'd be willing to make those sacrifices in order to just get the show back, which I think they will. They've made a, tr they've made a lot of sacrifices already. So I'm hopeful that um, by the summertime, you'll have Broadway back on. What's, what's held back the industry, if you know, from being more virtual? You know, you haven't seen too many um, productions that are available virtually. Well, there's a lot of, um, first of all, we didn't know, we couldn't plan in advance, right? So it's not like we said, okay, let's film uh, whatever was on Broadway at the time, right? There's also a lot of restrictions with the unions as far as um, filming rights. Uh, Stuart Lane and Bonnie Conley, they are a, a producing team in, here in New York City. They do have a virtual, um, they did, they saw, um, I, I guess they're just so smart that they started filming some Broadway productions, getting all the rights. So they have about 20 or so Broadway shows that are available. Um, they weren't necessarily on the boards you know, recently, but if you Google them, you'll be able to find those shows. The New York City Ballet, uh, luckily they filmed the Nutcracker in its entirety last year before they knew this was happening. And that was the first time that they did that. And that is now streaming 
um, between uh, up until December 31st, I believe. So you can download the Nutcracker and it's the, it was just last year's version. So it hasn't changed. Mm. Um, but I think that's the restriction is they just didn't have time to planning to get those um, rules lifted. You know, if everybody knew that this was gonna come down the pike, then maybe they could have gotten some of the Broadway shows but I got to tell you, the Broadway community has been incredibly creative and they've done great fundraisers. They've um, had the actors perform um, virtually. So there's been a lot of entertainment out there. And then Hallett's Point opened up in Astoria this summer, which is a drive-in. It's a movie theater, right? This is the Durst organization put this together. It's, it's a drive-in movie, right? So you have the big screen and they have picnic tables and they allow cars in for the drive-in. Showed Phantom of the Opera. Um, that's what they started with. But then they would have real live Broadway performers singing the songs. So it gave you a little bit of both. It's been incredibly successful. Um, obviously the weather is, is a little challenging now. People don't necessarily want to sit outside if they don't have cars. But I think, you know, you will continue to see these outdoor performances these, you know, the drive-in has come back, mm -hmm. you know, and those are fun. We went to a couple of them in Jones Beach this year. Some of the old school stuff is coming back, which um, only complements the, the tourism uh, product. Any other innovations or things that are being done now that you think will continue post-pandemic? I, like I do, yeah. So Josh, I think one of the things, and Fred, uh, you know, I we've struggled in order to get Americans, New Yorkers, you know, to embrace time ticketing. Uh, they've done it in Disney very well, but I think in New York, we pride ourselves on being, you know, last minute to plan and we can walk up to a counter and, and buy tickets and get into, you know, if you have the money, it, that's a luxury. But after seeing what the Metropolitan Museum of Art has done and the Museum of Natural History, they um, will only allow, and even Statue Cruises, you have to buy things now online time ticketing, they don't have the walk up, right? So um, that's helped tremendously, I think, train us in order to plan. And frankly, having um, been to one of the museums during this period of time, the experience is so much better. I, I have, you know, to be able to see it with 50%, it's um, something that I do hope that the museum community will Think about the quality of the experience and not the quantity of getting the visitors in. And I know they're going to need money and they're going to, you know, but to be able to see the artwork without thousands of people, I just think it was an enhanced experience. And I hope that we can, we can continue with that. You know, Fred had mentioned earlier that some of the things people could do is just shop local. You know, sometimes it's so easy, mm -hmm. one click to shop online but we don't take into account our local businesses and it's really important to just keep that in mind. But is there anything else that you can think of to share with our listeners in terms of what they can do to, to not just help spending money, but tourism in general? Well, I think when it's safe, and I truly do think that outdoor tourism is safe right now. And I think it's also good for people to get out, take advantage and, and look at our national parks, which we have some in New York city. We have many in New York state um, and really in, learn the history of our state and our city, which you can do on foot or you can do, um, so many people now have downloadable tours. There's nothing, nothing can replace the tour guide. You know, I really do believe you get an enhanced experience with a licensed professional tour guide, but until they can come back and, and really 
you know, meet with the volume of people they need to make their business model work. There are a lot of downloadable, you know, itineraries and people should take advantage of it because you'll never really be able to see New York the way it is now when you have 65 million visitors to New York City or, you know, and, and look, we want to get back to those numbers. We need to get back to those numbers, but we went on a staff outing to the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. And it was really enjoyable and you can definitely distance. And I think all New Yorkers should take advantage of that, especially families that have kids because the fourth grade trip, you know, it's part of the New York city curriculum to go to the statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. They can't do that this year, but parents can do it. You can bring the kids. You can, you, you know, try as much as you can to, Keep those class trips, maybe they'll, they're family trips now, but keep them alive because it's not only great for tourism, but it's really great for the educational factor for your children because they're not just learning on a screen. You know, my kids are virtual um, half time, but just learning on the screen, it can't replace, you know, going up and seeing these artifacts and learning and reading the plaques and they'll remember that for the rest of their lives. So I encourage people to get out there and safely be tourists in their own town. Well, Christine and Fred, thank you both so much for being on. Thank you for keeping our city moving forward and the economy moving forward. Well, thank you for the opportunity, Josh. It's always a pleasure to be with you and, and Christine as well. Thanks for all that you're doing to the state. Thanks, Fred. And thanks, Josh. Be well, everybody. Mask up and get out there. That's it. Make sure to check out a new episode of Schneps Connects every week, wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>